these uh, days and of course an interesting story for those uh, that haven't been with us uh, came out uh, during the Four Corners program on uh, Monday evening and of course it uh, very much uh, told the story of a young lad uh, up there in the Northern Territory, Dylan Bollard and uh, his uh, detainment at uh, the juvenile facility, the Dondale Centre, and uh, the treatment of uh, the young sometimes in juvenile centres around the country haven't often been good, but it really was um, highlighted there in the Northern Territory with uh, complaints uh, going back years and even those pictures uh, that were shown were very old pieces of footage and to talk more about how we can be wow, gobsmacked or even amazed with powerful imagery. We've got a distinguished professor from John Curtin, Dr. Sylvan Drimney uh, Ferreira with us. Hello, Professor. Welcome. Good morning, Sunday. Nice to be with you. I understand. You've been talking a bit on this particular subject because you specialise in just just cultural diversity, looking at the cultural aspects of things. Uh, You've even uh, currently uh, been a a part of a couple of projects uh, that are starting to run. That's right, Sandy. So I'm working on a project that really has to do with um, deaths in custody of um, uh, Indigenous people and of other racialized people, Australia, Canada, and the U.S. And we're really looking at, um, you know, comparatively across these different settler societies, what are the commonalities? One of the things, of course, that came through when we saw the pictures uh, of Dylan Waller and the the other um, young people, you know, are are the links with both um, a number of people referred to the Abu Ghraib images where you saw uh, hooded people being hooded. Uh, in Abu Ghraib prison, Iraqi prisoners, but also the links, um, Sandy, which some of your readers, I'm sure, would have thought of, your listeners, of um, Aboriginal prisoners in neck chains being transported across the country to prison. Um, Images of uh, people in the U.S., slaves, shackled and manacled, so all those histories kind of come back to us in a condensed form when we see these images. And I think um, that explains some of the shock and horror that has been expressed. But at the same time, um, it's interesting that somebody like the minister, Mr. Scallion, uh, said that he... It hadn't really piqued his interest before, you know, he was asked about this and he said, well, it didn't really pique my interest before, although he knew uh, that these mechanical restraints, so-called, 
had had been um, you know the, the, they've been in effect in, in the Northern Territory for a while, but nobody really people who voted for this practice seem not to have been shocked until they saw the photograph. And it seems that these practices have been going on for a while and it's been used as a form of protection against themselves from self-harm and even those watching over them in reference to spitting. Well, yes, but um, the question is, do, do you actually need to, you know, shackle a child into a, a chair and, and cover their head and so on as, as a form of um, self-protection? I mean, some of those um, images where we saw children being, you know, brutally pushed to the ground, stripped of their clothing um, by, you know three, four, five uh, big, large guards. I mean, it seems like a whole history of uh, brutality being, um, you know, revisited seemed out of proportion to any kind of um, harm that a little child, you know, could, could inflict. Professor, yes, it was shocking. What, the, what do you reckon when it comes to young children watching that, would that be mm. with them for the rest of their lives? It would be terrifying, I imagine, for, you know, young young people to see that and to, um, you know, to see what we are capable of. Um, but on the other hand, um, Sandy, I feel that um, we constantly have these revelations in our culture. You know, we constantly learn of brutal things um, being committed, and, and um, uh, there's, a, there's an expression of shock, but we, then we very quickly forget. We move on from the shock, and it, then it's as if we are having to be shocked all over again. So I do sort of wonder about that. You know, it's... Um, Something that I have been thinking about, and, uh, and I'm sure your listeners would know, is, is the case of Miss Dew, uh, the young woman who, was, um, who died in custody in Port Hedland. Her family have been asking for the images of what happened to her to be released, and the coroner has um, so far not um, acceded to their request. Um, and you wonder who is being protected by these images being held when the family wants the rest of us, they want society to see how this young woman was treated, but the courts um, refuse to show that image. You wonder who is being protected. Is it necessary for us to really see certain images? Well, I think that... Um, you know, it's it's interesting that we have CCTV in all our prisons, in all our courts, and so on, uh, which are supposed to protect prisoners. They're supposed to protect people and um, see that undue force is not is not used against them. That they're treated with, you know, dignity. Um, but despite these kinds of um, forms of monitoring, 
uh, we we see what's been happening, and perhaps the public exposure public exposure of these uh, these kinds of shocking treatment of people will be something that uh, acts as a deterrent in the future. So I. Um, Though I understand the traumatizing effect of these images, I also think that um, keeping them hidden away from the public um, can encourage further brutality. So at least we can get an idea of what other people are capable of. Yes, exactly. To see what happens. I mean, these people are... Um, servants of the public, and uh, we need to know what they are capable of, what they are doing really in our name. What did you think of the report, Professor? The Four Corners report? Yes. Yeah. Well, I thought that it, um, it brought to light um, Events that, as, as you said in your opening, Sandy, it's not that we didn't know about the long list of complaints uh, in, in the, uh, at the Dondale uh, facility. It's not as if we don't know about the histories of um, juvenile incarceration uh, for ab- especially Aboriginal young people who are actually uh, 59% of people in juvenile detention. So we knew these things, but I think we do need sometimes to have them brought to the forefront. We need to have them brought to attention. The question is, what is the response going to be? And I, um, like a lot of other people, I wonder whether yet another Royal Commission is actually the answer because um, it's 25 years this year since the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. And some of those recommendations are yet to be implemented. So uh, is having an, yet another Royal Commission the answer? Um, I have, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of quick fix. Uh, the, the Prime Minister announced the Royal Commission within, you know, record time. Um, but is that really going to uh, address these uh, serious problems in our system? Then there had been recommendations that have been put forward there since 2010, and uh, before that you had the Little Children's uh, a Sacred yes. Report done. With, with, with images uh, that we saw, should that be a part of saturated news as we've seen all week? Should that be a part of, did you say saturated news? Saturated, when you just constantly bombarded with it. Mm. You are kind of saturated with it. And, you know, the question I have is, because inevitably we will move on, you know. Uh, You have this intense media scrutiny for uh, maybe three or four days. You have everyone sharing these images on their Facebook feed. And then we will move on. And then what are we left with? You know, what is going to be the ongoing um, legacy of this inquiry? One of the things I've been thinking about, Sandy, is are the images that have come out of the Black Lives Matter movement in the U.S., where people have actually um, 
um, recorded on their telephones, um, you know, the, uh, the arrest, the brutal treatment in one instance, the actual killing in front of the eyes of um, the girlfriend of this Afro-American man, Philando Castile. Um, so we have these images that have been taken up by the Black Lives Matter movement, and I think they've tried to take them not just in our media feeds, social media, but they've tried to take them into the streets. They've tried to act out um, some of these um, moments uh, where... Um, the victim is crying out, don't shoot, hands up, and so on. And I wonder if that's, that's one way in which we can move past just this rather, rather shallow media coverage into something that people, you know, in, in their everyday, in, in the sort of in public space, um, can act on and address. I wonder if that's one way of just moving past this um, saturation coverage. When when you look at it and uh, the coverage there, one thing you can say, it's creating discussion, a lot more awareness. Yes, it is creating discussion. Um, I just want, uh, I suppose, to, to feel that it'll go further than um, you know, kind of discussion that uh, moves on after a few days because we've seen this repeatedly. I, I think your listeners might remember the uh, images of this young child that died in the Mediterranean Sea, Island Curdy, who was washed up on the shores. And for a um, few weeks, uh, people just shared this photo, uh, shed tears over this photo, and then they kind of moved on. So I'm, I hope that we can we can um, get further than that kind of um, discussion. That it can it can lead to some um, structural examination of our detention system, not only in the Northern Territory but also closer to home. Um, Premier Colin Barnett has said that um, we don't have any of those problems in WA. Um, I wonder if that's true. You know, I, I wonder if uh, we can have a more thoroughgoing and independent um, examination of what is happening in these juvenile uh, detention systems. <laughs> it's funny you say that. No, well, not funny, but uh, last night I was watching a commercial TV and, uh, and I noticed a story come on uh, that had to do with uh, a prison down south that was set up very much for inmates um, uh, ready to be released again. And it just, um, I don't know, it just seemed weird that uh, a story like that uh, comes on a commercial TV. I guess it's just that media sense of things. Mm. So, so the story was about a, a prison that was um, uh, be, being opened up again, is that...? No, no, it, it, it set up down south in Bunbury, mm. uh, uh, down that area, and yes. caters for detainees that are yet to be released. Yes. So I, I don't know, I just thought it was just... Uh, just going back on 
uh, what we have here in Western Australia. I know the Bankshire Hill uh, so-called rights back in 2013 did spark it, that interest and in the sacking of a minister. Exactly, you know, so um, this is why um, I, people have been calling for the Royal Commission not to just be confined to the Northern Territory, um, to have a to have a broader royal commission that also would involve consultation with Aboriginal leaders. I mean, there's there's been a lot of commentary in the last uh, few hours actually about the fact that none of the Aboriginal uh, leadership appears to have been consulted in the appointment of uh, Justice Dan Martin. And Justice Brian Martin is someone who has been very intimately involved with the Northern Territory um, uh, system and also has presided over some uh, cases. He presided over a case in Alice Springs, for example, where um, Kumantai Ryder was, was killed in the, in the creek bed by five uh, young white men. And they were handed over, they were handed a, an extremely light sentence by um, Justice Martin. So you wonder about the choice of this uh, royal commissioner and you wonder about the limits that have been um, set on this um, on this inquiry, just confining it to the Northern Territory. Him, uh, him himself being a chief minister, Justice Martin. Yes. Um, I also just wanted to mention... Um, Sandy, because you 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 said something before about the um, the uh, little children are sacred report and the um, Northern Territory intervention, and I think we need to point out the irony of the fact that that intervention was launched uh, in the name of protecting children in Aboriginal communities, and a whole lot of very intrusive. Uh, measures were adopted by the federal government in the name of protecting Aboriginal children. And yet, at the same time, it, it's now becoming evident to us the kinds of uh, treatment of children that were going on in the state's own care. Um, so you have to ask this question of uh, how safe, how, how much safer have children been uh, since the intervention and um, why did the intervention uh, not even think to look at the children who were being held in uh, places like the Dondale uh, Detention Centre? It's a lot to be talked about, and that can of worms was certainly opened on Monday evening when it comes to juvenile mm -hmm. detention in this country, isn't it? That's right. And, and as you say, um, there needs to be a lot more discussion. There needs to be a lot more uh, genuine discussion. And I think there needs to be a lot more questioning as well um, of the, you know, that, that, that the discussion um, remain, does not remain at, at, at a very shallow level of exposure. Because um, if I can say this, I think we love to, we love to declare how shocked we are. We love to declare how, how shocking things are, and then we forget, and then we are shocked all over again, you know, a few years later. So um, to move beyond shock to analysis and historical understanding 
and um, genuine um, inquiry. That's, that's what I would like to see. Professor, thank you for taking us through these steps. It's nice to know that reactions we're feeling are very much to be expected and there is that process, as you've just said. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you again, Professor. Much appreciated. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Professor uh, Suvendrini Pereira. He is a distinguished professor with uh, John Curtin University and, of course, has uh, a wide scope of qualification in the diverse areas of uh, behavioural analysis um, and just her underground work that she does with uh, monitoring or just uh, focusing on such imageries as uh, the powerfulness that those imageries present.